0: Good evening, podcast listeners, and welcome to episode eight of the Meg Players podcast. Um, Tonight, we turn our attention to the chariot period of Meg, um, and specifically the Egypt and Hattie uh, PDF. Um, The podcast is uh, The Armies of the Bronze Age Catastrophe, and focuses on the sea peoples arriving and the enemies they fought. We look at three three lists, including the sea peoples, and we also um, play tested two of the lists against each other. Um, and I hope you enjoy what actually turned out to be a fascinating uh, podcast for us to make. And without further ado, we will crack on with the main content of the podcast right so what we're going to do tonight is look at the armies of the bronze age bronze age catastrophe Um, this is uh, a biblical period and um what we're going to do is we're also going to look at the history richard's going to lead on the history very knowledgeable about that and then we are going to look at three armies that each of us put together and intertwined into that discussion will be an actual playtest of the two armies that Richard and I uh, put together, we actually got to get them on the table and have a fight. So without further ado, Richard, Armies of the Bronze Age Catastrophe, makes it
1: sound quite sexy. Thank, thank you, Ray. Uh, so in terms of the history, we're probably in the last part of the 13th century BC and the first part of the 12th BC. Um, a word of caveat here that uh, anything uh, beyond sort of 680 bc date wise is very speculative there's um no, um it's quite possible that these dates are actually wrong but this is what's known as the um conventional chron- chronology um, which was drawn up in the i think it's the early 20th century basically from the lists of ruling kings of egypt and to some extent um uh, hittites and babylonian kings as well and it provides a broad um uh, indication of the dates but um, there have been various attempts to revise the chronology um most famously probably david roll's book a test of time um and While it is perfectly possible uh, there are definitely problems with conventional chronology, um, it still seems to be the sort of basic starting determining uh, dates with sort of uh, earlier periods of civilization. So what is the Bronze Age catastrophe? Well, it's essentially um, the point in time at which uh, both the Mycenaean and the Hittite empires collapse. Um, apparently from invasions by various different tribes who became known as Sea Peoples. Um, the Sea Peoples is actually a 19th century name given by a French Egyptologist called Emmanuel de Rouge, Rouget. Um, and it's based on the fact that uh, the Egyptian sources describe these invaders come by sea and there's famously a letter from the ruler of Ugarit um, asking for help because his um, army has gone off to fight somebody else and these invaders have come by sea. Um, So um, over a period, a fairly brief period of sort of certainly no more than 50 years, uh, a lot of cities in uh mon turkey and what was known as anatolia uh syria cyprus and uh the major cities in greece and the greek islands they all show evidence of devastation Um, so the archaeologists um, in excavating these places all found at the same sort of time that these cities had been burnt or sacked Um, and this is this is basically the bronze age catastrophe Um, Along with this, we also know that the Egyptians defeated at least two invasions uh, from these Sea peoples, um, one in combination with Libyan tribes as well. Um, What is interesting, however, is that the Assyrians, who are further to the east, uh, they seem to have been largely unaffected, Um, so the Assyrian um, cities um, don't show the same devastation so it seems to have been restricted to um, the mediterranean area um, the eastern mediterranean primarily um so there were there were a number of different theories as to why we suddenly get this huge disruption of these civilizations and all the the cause of this catastrophe um, and over the years these have included earthquakes there's a suggestion that the earthquakes demolished the city walls and this allowed the uh, traders and pirates to um, overrun these cities um migrations there's a big the big theory that uh, tribes migrated from the north um and overran the um armies and defenses or from the empire and empires and that caused it um another theory suggested that it was iron working that these tribes had access to iron weapons um, and that gave them a huge advantage uh, another theory was drought um, that basically the cities starved. Um, drought meant the crops failed and they could not feed and defend the cities um, yet another theory was that there was a collapse in the trade networks um, that all of a sudden this Disrupted the economics, and the cities couldn't produce the products, um, and that um, uh, led to the whole collapse. Um, uh, The idea that it was just um, an increase in the number of raiders in the eastern Mediterranean, um, or that Perhaps one of the more, most recent uh, proposed by Robert Drews was that the fact that these tribes actually brought an innovation in warfare. And up till that point, uh, warfare had largely been an aristocratic thing carried out by um, the wealthy aristocracy who could afford chariots um, and armour and, and acted as a sort of elite, whereas all the infantry were just peasants who um, didn't know which end of the stick to hold. Um, and that what these tribes brought along was a sort of mass um, of infantry who can use a sword and throw javelins and overwhelm these empires. Um, it could be any of these. It could be all of these. Um, I, I have to say, I think some of some of the theories are off fetched. Uh, certainly is just to be a single cause. Um, but whatever, whatever the combination of factors were, it's clear that there was um, a complete disruption in the Eastern Mediterranean, and that led to the um, collapse of the Hittite Empire, the Mycenaean Empire, and the invasions of Syria. Um, so you have to ask yourself well, who were these sea peoples? Um, we have a whole range of names. Um, so some of the early ones, we hear about include the Sherden, the Ekwesh, the Teresh, the Luka, uh, and the Shekli. Um, these were all um, tribes which were actually beaten by Merintar, who is the Egyptian pharaoh. Um, we also hear of other tribes that invaded Syria. These include the Cheka, the Denyen, the Weshwesh, the Sh- uh, Sheklesh again, and the Pelesin. Um So, um, the, these these various tribes, um, we don't know if they all came from the same place. And different. There are a few clues. Um, some of them we can sort of tie in location, uh, either from archaeological similarities in the culture kinds, or um, from other uh, sources that give name adjacent to the place. Um, so examples of these include the Sheridan. Um, and they seem to originate in uh, the sort of Sardinia area. Um, there, the, there are similarities, for example, between helmets, um, the boar's tusks helmets um, that exist um, and are shown on some of the images and some of the archaeology, for example. Uh, similarly, the Sheklesh uh, have been linked to the Sickles, who were the original tribe from which we get the name Sicily um so it seems that at least some of the um, sea peoples may have come from that more central iranian area Um, we also have an example of the luka Um, they seem to be linked to the area of Lycia in anatolia Um, so um, it may well be that um, some of the tribes actually originated around the borders of the hittite empire or the area between the hittites and Mycenaean civilization. Um, and then um, we also have the Peliset. Now the Peliset are probably the ones we can track the the best because they definitely seem to have originated in the as a, a Mycenaean group. Um, and this we know because the Pelisets were settled in uh, Palestine. It's from where we get the name Palestine from. And we know that the Pottery that they produced in Palestine uh, is very similar to pottery, which previously was found uh, in the Mycenaean sites. And we also know that they used the Linear B writing script, which is the script that the Mycenaeans used. So we, we can be fairly sure that the Pelicet at least, seemed to have been a Mycenaean uh, group that became a wandering tribe. Um, other names are a bit more um, Speculative, an example would be the Danyan. They uh, have been equated with the Danioi, who are mentioned as an Anatolian tribe fighting on the side of the Greeks in the Iliad. Um, So if we believe that the Iliad is a uh, record of a um, siege of uh, Hittite ally Troy um, by the Greeks, the Mycenaean Greeks, um, then it is possible that some, some of these tribes uh, were allied to the Greek, the Trojan. Um, so um, it's, as with everything in this part of history, um, there's a small amount of sources on which we try to construct a huge amount of history. Um, but it, it is undoubtedly a disruptive period which sees the collapse of the Hittite empire. Um, the Greeks go from the Mycenaean civilization into what's commonly referred to as the Dark Age, um, from which they emerge uh, around um, sort of 700 uh, BC um, into what becomes the, the Greek civilization um, that we, we know about. Um, so that, that's, that's our, our sort of history. It's
0: really tempting to say that often the simplest explanation is often the correct one um but it, it doesn't seem to be any any real cohesive thought about where these people came from and how it really is there's a lot of different explanations of why
1: it, it seems to show that there was a sort of collapse of the um certainly the the main em- empires that controlled the um sort of eastern mediterranean um and maybe that al- allowed a rise of Piracy. Um, that in turn, maybe there are climatic or other factors that uh, led to some migrations of these tribes. That would that would be my guess. But um, it, it, at the end of the day, it was a it was no doubt interesting times, as the Chinese curse goes. Uh, <laughs> one where you probably didn't want to be around really. Because I think I
2: think I'd, I'd certainly go for some combination of of effects I mean there's um, I mean you mentioned drought and we there is there are records certainly for the Hittites seem to have been suffering um, at times towards the end of the empire, their empire I mean they were they're were actually importing grain from Egypt at points uh, so you know, and, you know and that could weak you know that can sort of weaken the weaken their empire and the, the Hitt- Hitt- Hittites always strike me as actually it's, it, it's a miracle that their empire lasted so long anyway because if you sort of look at it they they're sort of city their core lands sit in the middle of Anatolia and they're surrounded you know they, they, they never they're, they're often invaded from multiple directions you know some, some droughts fractious neighbors you know you get multiple causes I have, to, I have to say, because you mentioned it, I, I feel I have to comment I was somewhat unconvinced by Drew's book uh, when I read it many, many years ago. But yeah,
1: there could be something in it. <laughs> you don't want to throw it out entirely. The problem with Drew's theory I have is that the chariot doesn't disappear. It, it reemerges, and it's only later on that the chariot disappears as a weapon of warfare um really with the introduction of cavalry. so um the the idea that um uh that it was the innovation of warfare by itself does seem suffers from that that sort of fatal flaw
2: yes i I do the 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 assyrians are the sort of the elephant in the room on that one aren't they? they carry on building having a a large and effective chariotry arm for for centuries. Yes. And whereas Drews basically claims that these the, the rampaging javelin javelin throwing swordsmen spelt the end of the the chariot, which obviously wasn't the case.
1: I think it's probably worth talking a bit about the um, different um, troop types themselves, um, um, and particularly the chariot system. Um, it, it's worth noting that pretty much everything you read on the internet is, should be taken with caution. There is a huge amount of misinformation um, and very little of what actually quotes sources uh, or quotes them reliably. Um, and I, I found this in particular was really challenging. Um uh, and Sorry, are you talking about chariots or
0: politics or life or no. yeah, um, the internet? Is that what you're talking generally about?
1: Generally anything about the ancient weapon systems of the the various armies of the period, around the, particularly around the Bronze Age period. So, um, the, I mean, when you get past that, actually going back to the genuine sources that are available, um, then it, it's a bit more revealing. Um, for example, there, we know quite a lot of the chariot system used by the Hittite Egyptians and the Assyrians, um, largely because we actually have Hurrian training map on how to train your chariot horses bears, and pairs. And uh, uh, it was written by somebody called Kikuli, um, and it was actually found at Hetusa, um, uh, written in Hittite. Um, there, there, is, there is, I believe, um, more than one um uh, example there there are other examples of this manual in fragments but the the main um extensive one the copy was found at patusa um the important thing is that the chariot uh was a missile at this stage it was drawn by two horses uh and had a crew of two um now the first thing to say is you hear a lot about in chariots. chariot well, the, the problem with this is that there is absolutely no evidence for chariot runners. Um, there is no word for chariot runners, um, and there is almost no evidence. And I say almost because I have to have a slide. Um, the, the evidence for chariot runners seems to depend on the Ramessean, uh, which is at Thebes in Egypt, not Greece. Um, it's always confusing when they have two places. <laughs> Um and that relief does show a third man uh on one group of Hittite chariots. Um and it seems from this that the whole idea that chariots had a sort of third person who would uh run alongside the chariot carried by chariot and would fight um it seems to that, that whole theory developed from that that sort of um The the problem is that there is no other evidence to support this. The training manuals have no suggestion of ever having a third person on them, and there's no other uh, examples of chariots with three-men crew. Um, The most likely explanation is that the Ramesseum is actually showing a third infantryman, because in this case the Hittite chariots were carrying a third infantry to attack the Egyptian camp. If you remember the Battle of uh, Kadesh, the um, Hittites ambushed the Egyptians and um, attacked the Egyptian camp. And that may be the suggestion of why the relief on this occasion shows uh, a third crew But this doesn't seem to be a crew member who fought with the chariots. Um, when chariots fought chariots, I think you could visualise this as a sort of two-dimensional dogfight. So the the this seems to be the idea that the chariots would operate in pairs, almost with one chariot acting as a wingman for another chariot, so that they would sort of um, sort of like like a dogfight. You'd head into the melee, shoot shoot off your arrows at any target, come up come out the other side, try and figure out what the hell went on and then uh, if you were still okay, go back into the fight. Um, I mean, it it seems to be very similar to a sort of World War II uh, dogfight, where the pilots will say that basically, once you're in a dogfight, all hell broke loose, you had no idea what was going on. You fired off a few bursts and, and you then came out of the other side, hoping that you were intact. Um, and unless you were very skilled and experienced, that was about it. Um, Against infantry, however, the tactics of chariots actually seem to be very similar to horse archers. Um, we know from the training manuals that the way they trained um, the chariots was they they would uh, um, go around a sort of circuit um, uh, in sort of groups of ten, and the basic idea they basically created a circuit by putting two two poles sort of about uh 100, 120 yards apart something it is and basically the ten chariots head in sort of column towards the infantry target they shoot as they come in they then do a very sharp turn shoot as they do the turn and shoot as they retreat and the idea seems to have be been to get at least eight shots in one circuit and the the um basically they were trained to repeat these circuits, um, sort of at least eight. So the 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 chariot horses were expected to basically sort of be going at fairly full speed, sort of canter and gallop for pretty much a mile, which is um, uh, about the limit even today of modern horses in terms of keeping sort of full speed. And that, if you think of modern races, all the um classics or short races for flat racing where they're doing um the, the sort of top speed but if you in in that time um it's potentially possible for a chariot uh, um you know, the archer on the chariot to get off about 800 arrow, well 80 arrows per chariot so 800 arrows uh from 10 chariots and you think you could do that into a frontage of perhaps 10 20 30 yards that's an awful lot of arrows going into a very um, condensed um, frontage um, and that would probably be more than enough to uh, disrupt the formation and break the confidence of infantry at which point the infantry break and then the charity is a perfect weapon to follow up, um, uh, routing shooting the straggler in the back keeping motion in the way. Would
0: be scary, um, wouldn't it? Scary as hell that
1: Yeah. I mean there there there's other supporting information. Um the in training they set poles with copper targets. Now the source I find, but I can't verify this says they were set 12 meters apart. Now that seems to me actually very close together. Um I I well, I looked at also the sources talk about Mongols and the way they trained and the horse archers and in horse archery, they reckon to shoot at three targets set 30 meters. So if you've got copper tar- targets on poles, that are only 12 meters. It seems to me that's too close together to shoot at a target, um, but possibly you are trained to shoot at every other target, something like that. Um, it's reckoned a skilled archer probably get one shot every two seconds, which is still a hell of a skill. It's not something I'd like to try anyway. Um... So that, that's the chariot system in the east, uh, the used by the um, Hurrians and the Mitanni and adopted by the Egyptians. In the west, you get the Mycenaean chariots, and these seem to be more substantial. The, the um, Hurrian chariots are light enough that one person can carry them easily, and there's lots of records of them being carried. Um, the Mycenaean chariots are much more substantial. And there they seem to focus on fighting. uh, the fighting warriors having spears and javelins. um, And we get uh, some supporting evidence that they were not particularly bow plans. They were more used with spears and javelins. So that's sort of reflected in the army lists. Um, The difference with the Sea Peoples is that these are, tribes and armies appear to be mainly infantry. Um, if they were coming from sea, that makes a lot of sense because it's um, quite a challenge to try and transport uh, chariots and horses over, over sea, over in boats. Um, and the surviving images and archaeology basically tends to show equipped with uh, possibly a helmet. I've mentioned the boars, tusks, helmets. Um, but there are other forms as well. You get shields, you get spears, javelins, and um, most notably swords, um, some of which are uh, definitely starting to come iron. Uh, the use of iron actually predates the arrival of the sepals, which is the main reason why um, the introduction of iron isn't doesn't seem to be for the bronze catastrophe. Um, but the use of iron definitely increases. As you start to iron swords. Can
2: I just um chip in a sort of snippet Please. I pick a couple of snippets I picked up just to this is reinforce what Richard's just been saying about you know this is this is the great age of the chariot and the chariot was the dominant weapon system and you know the, the the tactics he's just he's just described that if not actually re- recorded are inferred from the records we've gotten do seem very logical, but um, you know there, there are a few bits and pieces in the, rec- in the historical record that do suggest that you didn't need a lot of chariots sometimes to to have a big effect. There's there's a whole series of correspondence known as the Armana letter um, from from Egypt, uh, with, which includes some requests from um, allies or subject princes in in Palestine and Canaan to the Egyptian Pharaoh asking for asking for help against trouble and sometimes you know they were requesting sort of send half a dozen chariots and some infant and that'll be great and there's one record probably somewhat boasting and exaggerated about a hittite king accompanied by six chariots who met um what is quoted as being an army but is unlikely to be an army so so the the king and his six bodyguard chariots then go on to defeat this quote army (laughs) All by themselves, so probably, you know.
1: probably a group of bandits who, uh,
2: yeah, I, I suspect, yeah, but it crazy, but you know, it, it, it does seem to be okay. so, well. There's a few of us in chariots, we're okay, <laughs> we're going to ride around and shoot you up,
1: yeah. So, well, you you can always get away again, I guess, yeah. yeah because because I'm gonna, have a chariot.
2: the reconstructed chariots people have made, you know, do, do seem to do seem to be able to go at quite a lick of speed, and yeah. those would have been done without fully trained horses it's all all, all very impressive very
0: maneuverable right so if we bring this back to meg what we're talking about in terms of uh the lists are is the chariot period list uh aptly named and we were then uh given a challenge to choose an army uh from the who fought is it was it were either the sea peoples or fought against the sea peoples was that correct richard?
1: that that's correct
0: yes. and okay so we chose three lists um and we're going to give richard a bit of a break now so um richard i'll just say you chose the sea people
1: yes i did
0: um and uh
2: nick you chose what did you choose i chose the hittites i've exactly. always had a bit of a soft spot for them
0: Yeah. And I chose the New Kingdom Egyptians. um, And we had one game, uh, Richard and I, Sea Peoples versus New Kingdom Egyptians to try out the lists. But what we'll do is we'll go through the lists. um, We'll look at and we'll start with Nick, then me, then Richard, to give Richard a bit of a break. And we'll see what was available to us and the choices we made and... Obviously, the lists themselves will be in the usual place on the blog, and that will be mentioned in the notes to this podcast. So, Nick, you
2: chose? I said, Hittite Empire. Um, Empire. All all the lists we're talking about tonight come from the Egypt and Hattie um, PDS, which covers the the period, this this great period of chariot warfare, and the chariots were dominant. So uh, I've gone for the Hittite Empire list, runs from... 1400 BCE to 1180 BCE. Um, obviously, as Rich has already mentioned, dates a bit wobbly, and certainly around the start of what historians call the either, either the new Hittite New Kingdom or the Hittite Empire is it, a bit ropey, and we, we certainly don't have very good details of dates for I think I think it's the king. Anyway, the list the list itself, um, the generals available are are professional, uh, army commander and up to three sub generals. It can have two internal ally generals, uh, which can be uh, professional or instinctive, and these are to represent Anatolian vassal. I'll come to that shortly. So the Hittite part of the list, um, top of the list, and absolutely quite rightly so, are the golden chariot fighters. These are the the, the king's elite. You know, these are chariots. They're drilled, loose, exceptional, protected, skilled bow. You can have Naught to sixes, they're the the best of the chariots. Presumably they're the, if you have six, they're the six guys who are with the king I just mentioned. (laughs) So so, so it's literally one chariot is one chariot. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. Six superheroes. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) six great heroes. Um, um, After that, you can have four to 16 um, Hittite chariots, which are exactly the same, drilled loose, but they're superior against skilled bow. there is an option to upgrade Hittite chariots with a third man. Uh, Richard's already touched on this is dubious. We don't really know. It's based on the, the Kadesh um, account and the, the carvings at the Ramiseum. Um Basically, this, this allows you to add a melee expert to the Hittite chariot. I, I, I'll say up front now, I haven't chosen it because I, I, I certainly tend to agree with the um, thing Richard mentioned about it, it was a temporary carrying a man, so I, I don't... Um, Hittite infantry, you can have a unit of guard spearmen, drilled loose, superior protected, short spear. Um, The bulk of the infantry are just Hittite spearmen. Again, drilled loose, average protected, short spear. The drilled, the Hittites had a standing army. Um, You can have a few um, tribal loose versions of those for less good infantry. And there's Hittite conscripts, tribal loose, poor and protected, short spear. the levy dregs. You can have a unit of casker. Also known as Gaskans, tribal loose, average protected, devastating charges. The Gaskans were wild hillmen north of the Hittite realm, um, a perennial problem, but they did to the army. Uh, some of them were even termed pacified, possibly a bit optimistic. You can have 0 to 18 skirmishing archers and 0 to 12 slingers. I mentioned the, the Anatolian. Um, the list includes an Anatolian vassal contingent, uh, two of the, uh, or two generals, um, and bit unusual for lists that these are compulsory four to eight chariots who are formed loose superior protected experienced bow so they're not as good as it's proper alternatively you can regrade these with experienced javelin and short spear again that was Richard was mentioning earlier western end of Anatolia and and facing over into Greece possibly a different style of chariot Um, you there's six to 12 Anatolian spearmen, tribal, loose, average, protected, short spear. And again, they can have some archers and slingers. Um, although the um, this is compulsory contingent, um, you don't have, oddly, and it does reflect the history, you don't actually have to have it commanded by an Allied. Optionally, it could be commanded by a Hittite sub so it can fit into the um, command structure that way if you want. Um, it reflects the the sometimes very close nature of the alliances um, and sometimes the allies were were commanded by Hittites. Um, you can have a couple of allies in the list Mitanni allies or Syro-Canaanite allies which you can have up the two contingent um, and again the Syro-Canaanites are a bit odd in terms of being an ally contingent because if you, one of these syro I'm sorry, Syro-Canaanite contingents can again be commanded by a Hittite sub-general rather than an allied general, and this is because for the Syrian states of Carchemish and Aleppo, or at least those are more modern names, um, they were actually ruled by a Hittite viceroy who could sometimes actually be a prince, a son of the king. So they were very reliable and could be act very closely. With the Hittite central authorities and the Hittite army, so you can get it's just a, an interesting difference on that. If you want it to take those those allied get the troops from the allied contingents, but not actually have them under an Allied general, which, which I I think could be unique amongst the army lists, Richard. I can't think of anyone else who gets that. Sorry to put you on the spot. Not possibly no. <laughs> out of the x hundred army lists we've got. Anyway, certainly there's not many if there are any others okay so that that was the, what i had to choose out of um and you know like a lot of the armies of this period its main troops are chariots so my actual army choice majors on chariots it, it's it's, it's it's a bit of a Hittite Empire panzer division, and, and people with long memories going back to WRG 5th edition might remember the infamous ancient British panzer, an army feature of of that back in the... That's going back to the 70s now, isn't it? That's so really showing. Much. Anyway, to stop waffling on, my generals, I've chosen three Hittite generals. Obviously, you have to have a Hittite um, army commander, all competent professional. And I have gone for an ally, and I've gone for talented, instinctive, for the Anatolian ally. ally. Um, you For exactly the same points, you could have a co- another competent professional, Hittite general, so fits into the possible um, allocation of cards and such like. Um, but in the end, I wanted the extra card. So the way to do that was talented. Um, I've come out with a PBS of seven and four scouting cards, which is nice. Um, the actual troops in the army um, rocked, Nobody will be surprised to hear that I've taken all six of the Golden Chariot fighters. I mean, <laughs> Quite frankly for me, yeah, that, that's, that just goes on the list. You, you don't even ask any questions about them. So six exceptional skilled shooting chariots. I've then gone for four units, each of four, of the Hittite chariots, the Drilled Loose Superior Protected Skilled bow. So that's all of those. Um, the Compulsory Hittite Spearman unit, you have to have eight. Drilled loose average protected. That's my Hittite infant I've not gone for any more. So not really trying to have any the for the in the Alatolian contingent, I've got two, four base units of chariots with bow again. They're superior protected experienced bow, which is a, a sort of an interesting um classification. They're not quite as good at shooting as the Hittites, but they're still superior. So if they get shot at by skill shooters, the skill shooters won't go too greens which might be a factor if they were fighting the egyptian um the compulsory unit of anatolian spearmen i've downgraded to poor the form form sorry tribal loose short spear um so that, that's the that, those are the tugs but um to go with this army i've gone for five sugs which is not not what i'd normally go for possibly a bit of a gimmick but i thought in this this, uh, this is a shooty army i've taken all the actual um chariot shooters so what do i what else can i get I've gone for three six base units of average experienced bow combat shy archers um a six of the same slingers and they're all hittite and then a nine base unit of average experienced bow anatolian archers so i've got five more shooty sugs so i mean the using of the usage of the army i think is fairly obvious you're looking to shoot people lots and lots and lots um and partly taken with the idea that the, the concept of these lists of fighting the, the sea peoples, who are lots and lots of infantry. So, this is all about degrading them, as, but also with the thought of fighting the Egyptians, possibly cause you know, annoy them quite a bit with all the extra shooting from your skirt. So, this is an army that will be looking for an open table. No, no doubt Richard will say his sea peoples would be looking for one with quite a lot of terrain in it to. to uh, negate the chariots you're looking for lots of open space lots of shooting gang the shooting at, you you know you're going to gang quite a chunk of skilled shooters up at w- probably one end of the the enemy's line if you can or at least one point and try and blow a hole in it and move on to the next so there you are that was my choice. I will look forward to Richard and Ray's comments. Oh, sorry, last thing. He's got a poor unfortified camp.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you managed to get uh, seven PBS and four scouting. Yes. his hand.
2: Yeah, the The oh. massive, massive skirmishers helps that scouting. I've probably got an extra scouting point. Yeah. Just from the, the skirmisher infantry.
0: I I like it. Um, and it become clear when you hear what the army I chose. I, I just... I, I reserve judgment to see whether New Kingdom Egyptian can actually do it better than Hittite Empire. I don't know the answer, but I, I just wonder if it can.
1: I, I I understand where you're coming from with the army, Nick. Um, I'm I'm disappointed it doesn't have Tree, but uh, um, I it, it's it's the sort of maxed out on chariot version. Um, it's got all the
2: chariots that it can have in the list without taking another ally.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so you've got well, 11 files of skilled shooters and um, a probably similar number of sort of experienced shooters um, with a high, relatively high scouting and PBS ought to control the terrain. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a pain for sea people. Um, because there's nothing to get your teeth into, but historically, that's what gave the Sea People's troubles. Um, yeah, well, it, uh,
2: approaching this with the idea of the the the, the theme, if you like, that the, there will be a Sea People's army there. There's, the the Hittites infantry just is, is just worse than the Hittite, sorry, the Sea People's infantry. Is. So, what? what why? It, the question in my mind was why get into an infantry fight? <laughs> Indeed. So I,
1: I can understand.
0: <laughs> but we weren't necessarily just trying to tailor our armies to fight the sea people were we well maybe we were um uh,
1: I think you were
2: guys uh, <laughs> well, it, it was it was definitely in my mind with this one but there was there was thinking about the Egyptians as well and um i i, I will, but put it this way I am now very seriously thinking of getting the, the the toys for this army but I would also get extra infantry figures to be able to do... A version with more infantry in it so
0: right so i chose new kingdom egyptian and if we look at the pdf i think um the lads reminded me before the uh before we started recording you can have a lot of different armies from this pdf um you you going down the list you, you get uh superior chariots um loads of them you get up to 24 you get pharaoh's chariots which are the same as nick's Golden chariot fighters, um, six of those. Um, you can have Egyptian Royal Guard, which are drilled loose, superior protected, short spear, melee expert, but you only get four of them. I know short spear, melee expert, in fact, superior short spear, melee expert, pretty damn cool. Uh, they're loose, uh, but you only get four. Uh, you get some close fighters, drilled loose, average protected, short spear, up to 24 of those. Um, you can up uh, well, you can change uh, up to a quarter of those to close fighters with heavy axe, and they become short spear melee expert. And I think um, they then you can put you can into you can put some of those bases in with the close fighters uh, or not have them a separate unit, I believe. Um, archers, infantry drilled loose, average protected, experienced bow. Um, and then you're into some tribal loose. uh... Unskilled javelin, some light archers, which are skirmishers, Nubian archers, skilled boat, um, Nubian skirmishers, skilled boat, um, and so actually, yes, so um, skirmishing javelin men, infantry skirmishers, uh, you got sliggers, and then you get this Syro Canaanite um, contingent who are just part of the army, and then you start from date. Uh, in specific dates, you can, uh, you get the Shardana, Shardana Royal Guard, infantry, drilled, loose, to short spear, melee, expert. There's again, only four of those. Another way of regrading the close fighters. You can bring some Libyan spearmen in who are infantry, tribal, loose, average, unprotected, short spear, devastating charges. Quite interesting. 18, uh, Eight to 18 of those. And Sherdan. Infantry, tribal, loose, average, protected. Skilled so javelin, short spear, and you can have melee expert shoot and charge with those. It'd be quite tasty, up to 18 of those. And you got sea people. You can get sea people colonists uh, and their infantry, tribal, loose, average, protected, unskilled spear. So I think the three basic armies you can have. You can have uh, a min max chariot army. Um, I think you can have a, a chariot two-wing chariot army with some solid foot. Or I think you can do, if you want to, a big infantry army, which has a lot of tribal infantry in it. So I, I don't know if you guys agree, but those are really the three broad choices without going into the kibiki of what you can have um, uh, in, with the New Kingdom of Egyptians. So very flexible. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm motivated to get more of the figures after after what I saw um, I of course went for the min-max chariot army, um, <laughs> <laughs> with,
2: with Kingdom Egyptian Panzer Division.
0: <laughs> yes, with absolutely no collusion with Nick Goutroger, I went for that.
2: No, I, I can say say we 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 never talked about it, did we? Uh, we never, never prepared uh, notes.
0: And my army was um, interesting. So uh, I had four competent generals. Uh, competent professional generals, which gave me the command and control I thought I needed. Uh, I ended up with uh, PBS of seven, scouting three. Um, and the army was the Pharaoh's chariots, six of those. So exceptional, drilled loose, exceptional protective skill bow. Uh, and then uh, one, two, three, five, six, fours, which is the maximum of the chariots, which are chariots, drilled loose, superior protected, skill bow. Uh, and then uh, a six of the syraceneonite chariots chariots form loose average protected skilled bow then uh, i had two units of close fighters and i downgraded them in, in raised fashion so they're infantry form loose poor protected short spear coming in at uh, 41 points each six of those and two sixes to make up the minimum of eight and i had eight archers infantry form loose poor protected experienced bow uh, and the only reason they have experience, both, because I had the points. <laughs> <they, you> know, <laughs> th- th- there was no other reason. I couldn't find any better use of them. But, you know, the, I'd never used an army like this before. And so I'm not saying I was picking uh, from experience. Uh, I'm saying I was picking for, oh, lovely toys. And I, um, the idea was, uh, with my choice of army, was to. Um, shoot, 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 and then deliver a coup de grace somewhere and, you know, get behind the enemy and um, make it nasty. For and
2: uh, Welcome I- to my world of shooty mounted. Yes, yes. Right? yes
0: no, no. <laughs> and, and the first time I'd ever used a shooty, basically shooty cavalry, I would get the chariots of cavalry, <laughs> um, and I had 18 files
1: of skilled shooters, which, which I rather liked. I think it's 17, but I'll give you. Okay, 17. 17. 17. Maybe he's 18. No, maybe I'm wrong. I can't. Uh, yeah, count. it
0: should be Yeah, it should be an even number. Even it. number. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So eight, 18 files of skilled shooters, um, which is you know quite handy. And um, I mean, I'll I'll mention the game that Richard and I played. You know. I, firstly, I'd never used this kind of army before, so I think I was a little ponderous when I was using it and trying to work out, you know, how far to be away from the infantry and all this, you know, evading and everything. And, and um, uh, I didn't win with the army against Richard, but I, if I remember correctly, Richard, it was a pretty close-run thing.
1: It was a very close run.
0: <laughs> and... Um, and uh, I loved it. I really enjoyed using it. So <laughs> shit, I might, I might have to go to the dark side with, with the horsemeister.
1: <laughs> oh dear.
0: So that's, so that, so that's how I remember it. I, I remember it being a, uh, an interesting game because, well, games with Rich are always interesting, but uh,
1: and type
0: of army I've never used before, and unashamedly gaming the system, doing the mid max, and I don't think Rich is even going to say he was disappointed with me because he, he would never. Be disappointed with me doing a min-max army <laughs> to get the most skilled shooters on the board.
1: It's, no, I've no disappointment at all. It's uh um it was a real test of uh, a sort of big tribal army with lots of entry face, uh, nasty skilled army. if I remember rightly, you managed to
0: outscout me, which was hilarious. Um
1: yeah, you only get three scouting.
0: I only have three scoutings,
1: which uh Yes, so your, your chariots don't uh, help you as much as uh, you might expect. I think Nick managed four through his large numbers of um, yeah. skirmishing foot as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could argue against the sea peoples. Do you do you actually need your chariots to be superior?
0: Those well, it, it, forget. For, I, I don't want to just tailor it to the sea peoples, although that was you know the game we had but i i thinking about what i might do um with this army actually um the next list what i've tr- what i'm thinking would be quite interesting would be to reduce all the chariots all the fours of chariots to average keep the skilled bow and then um not really change anything else but get an exceptional an exceptional professional general uh, army commander in legendary legendary sorry legendary uh you know me i don't really know the rules um <laughs> a, a legendary a legendary uh uh general as the army commander and uh put put that legendary general with the pharaoh's chariots and just be pharaoh why not be the well, pharaoh so and
1: this, this is the ramesses propaganda <laughs> <book>. <laughs> this is this is the ramesses
2: as he saw himself yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'd, like, have
1: to, you'd have to represent your general with twenty-eight millimeter model. Oh, yeah. I, I think fifty-four
2: mm for Ramsay, surely.
1: <laughs> but um, but it does. I mean, look, the list does say any
0: professional, so I can have a legendary if I want to. Yeah. So, so anyway, so so in my revised list, I, I, I'd have to mess around with the, the points a little bit to try and fit it in. But I think I think that would just be a fantastic list because that's exceptional, exceptional protected chariots with a legendary general attached to them are going to go through yeah
2: and it's this, this the same general that the the new kingdom egyptian list as, as ray has already alluded to because of all its options is one of the more um flexible lists in in this period as you say it can be at least three different absolutely
0: variety. absolutely i mean personally personally i've kind of done tribal infantry
2: yeah
0: so i i'm i'm I don't know. I didn't really want to build a tribal infantry list. There are I I'm I'm thinking that Richard would probably tell us there are better tribal infantry lists than what you can build with this. And and I just I find so I know Simon that the the creator Meg has a list which has got some okay foot and two wings of chariots and I you know the foot's just got
2: target on it. Um I I, I've every time I've looked at this, I've wondered, actually it might be interesting to do the the, the later version, the Sea people's colonists and all that. Um, it had, I suspect what you get out of that is an army um, a bit like what, what the Army I assume Richard will be showing us next, which is which is lots of those tribal infantry with unskilled javelin and LAX, but then with a small but pretty powerful um, skilled shooting, chariotry are which which the sea peoples don't get so you know it would be and and of course the 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 professional commander as well and possibly not to not to overlook you know a couple of units of drilled close fighters might be useful just just because you've got some infantry who are a bit more maneuverable Obviously, it wouldn't end up as big as I'm expecting. Richard's army, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure Richard's army's got some other toys as well. But yeah, no, it is certainly if you wanted a a one list with lots of options, it's a good one.
0: Now, now that I agree with.
2: And and there are and
0: you wanted to start if you were starting out on your on your Meg journey and you wanted a, a chariot period army it, and you like painting, you can make them look beautiful. You can. Um, I, I think that's a good choice. I think New Kingdom is a good choice. And I know there are some people on one of the WhatsApp groups who wanted to know how a New Kingdom of Egyptian would go. I, 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 look, I, I'm being, I'll am being i be honest with you now, I'm finding it difficult to see beyond 18 files.
2: Yeah, but I, I, as you know, I will find 18 files of mounted skill shooters very... Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, that's the sort of I've got in my Mongol, my male khanid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, the chariot armies are certainly even reasonable in in an open yeah um because they they can do that shooting damage i I still think people have a way to go to learn how to counter um strong i I shoot the the chariot certainly if you're interested in getting into using a chariot army it's it's certainly a, a choice to consider so I, th- I think we need to come on to some proper infantry army. <laughs> <laughs> can,
2: can, can I just just, just, just off what you said, just one one last thought, Rich, about that, that people, I, I think, you know, you said about pe- you can use chariot armies in more open circumstances as well. I think people underrate a lot of these, quote, biblical armies out of period, and I think that could be a hangover from other sets of rules where they only tend it to work in period. I think there's quite a lot of them... Yeah especially in the, the Egypt and Hattie book and the Assyria and Babylon, are perfectly viable in more open environments. I think people should look at them. So I'm going to lecture you all, dear listener. <laughs> there, there's there's some... Here's a
0: challenge. Here's a challenge. So which one of the three of us is going to take a biblical army the London ET to Scotland?
2: <laughs> Probably not me because I haven't... I, <laughs> I've only got two units painted up towards any chariot army at the moment. <laughs> Yes. But there are chariot armies that could perfectly work perfectly
1: well in that opening.
0: Right. So, Richard, you didn't use a chariot army. Uh,
1: So I went for the Sea Peoples. So the Sea Peoples list is not the most complicated. Um, You can have, uh, obviously, you've got instinctive generals. Um, You've got an unfortified or mobile camp. The mobile camp would be the wagons that are shown on the reliefs. Egyptian... Um reliefs, so uh, that's why the mobile's there. Uh, you can have naught to six chariots, they're just average protected experienced javelin short spear. So they're that's going the to be thoroughly, <laughs> thoroughly, outgunned by these more civilized types. Um, you get chieftains and their retinues, they're the tribal loose superior critical javelin, melee expert in charge. Uh you get common warriors who are just tribal loose average uh, with optional may expert in charge. Uh, you can regrade some of those so they become unprotected but get experienced javelin um, with short spear. Um, that would be a bit of an odd choice, I think, in more competition-oriented army, uh, but is there for the historical accuracy. Uh, you can get a unit of migrant families, tribal close, poor, unprotected, at a wonderful 22 points each in an eight or 10. Uh, and for skirmishes you just get javelin men, average pretty experience in combat shot. And you have to have at least... Um, so the army I went for is pretty much my sort of standard tribal army. Um, two um, talented instinctive generals, two competent instinctive. Um, The tweak I put in was having an internal ally, a Luca ally, I called it, uh, for one of the talented, instinctive generals. Um, uh, So um, three of the units, one of chieftains and two of warriors of the ally. Um, The army essentially is one unit of chariots, um, four units of chieftains and one, two, three, four, five, six units of warriors. Um, and then three units of six skirmishers, all downgraded, essentially to act as um, a screen for the first round of chariot shooting to take the sting on the chariots by just sticking them as a thin line in front of warriors. Um, those u- those skirmishing units come in at a eighty four points each, so um, so about the cost of one base of the, the rest of the tree. So. If it uh, keeps your keeps your infantry going for an extra bound, that can make all the difference. Um, the PBS comes out at six, the scouting at two. Um, to be honest, yeah, I'd like terrain, but I, it's an army you've got to expect you're not going to get a terrain, um, and any terrain you do get is a bonus. Um, uh, I don't actually mind invading too much. It gets you up... Uh, battlefield quicker so your opponent has less rounds of shooting um you've got to um keep the the drawback with this as a tribal army against the shooting armies you have to use the uh, cards to charge um, which means that you don't um uh unlike if if they're devastating charges they get free charge um which um, then means you can use cards to prompt through um so i find it hard to work i mean if i was knowing i was fighting a entirely chariot army I'm i'm not sure i would choose the melee expert um because essentially you need numbers to absorb all the skilled shooting casualties you're going to take um but um the the advantage of the mad expert is if the chance to charge you you're going to take them down with a bit of luck so i left them um the shooting charge i took on the optimistic hope that i might get a few charges where i could actually throw the javelins in and get a lucky slow um it, it was an idea that might make the chariots run away rather than skirmish but against superior chariots because they they also get better bonus of to add one dice skirmishing away um that, that's a bit of it um so that that was the army um 11 tugs it's perhaps not as big as you might expect um, i think it's it's not a entirely hopeless competition army um, all those tribal loose infantry sound vulnerable, but with the melee expert, um, they can actually probably give quite a few armies a run for their money. Is my view.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm really keen on short spear melee as a combination. Obviously, being being loose, if if they in a more open in an open competition, and we're trying to stop a big night charge, they might have trouble, but. But as, as all rounders, I'd, I'd, I'd agree, they're not. The, the, the unit size makes them not as vulnerable as you might think. Can I just ask one question? Because just, just looking at the, the actual sea people's list, notice one thing that's slightly unusual, and, and you haven't taken advantage of it, which I suspect is points based, is that unlike a lot of lists, those superior chieftains and their retinue can actually be an eights.
1: Uh, um, yes. Um the- I'll, I'll, Sorry. It, you're quite right. A, a lot of the armies, we restrict the superior ones to sixes. Hmm. Um, the logic of eights, I guess, was because the these guys did disrupt the um, uh, Mycenaean and Hittite empires, so I thought um, they perhaps deserved an inch. Yeah, being, oh,
0: in, uh, being in sixes meant you could have one per command, though. Uh,
1: the, the same restriction exists in the CPUs list. You can't have more than one. But you've got you've got four commands. So if you had them in eight, yeah, if you have them in eights, you can only have them in three commands. But that's not that's not. I mean, a
0: good I, 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 you know, forget the points. We're going to have eight of those formidable.
2: I have to say, I do, I do like your choice of taking the shoot and charge. I think that is it's sensible. I'm certainly sensible in period um, where where one of your big enemies is going to be enemy chariots. Um, that's a a good choice because to some degree you only. The, a lot of the as you look at ray and my my lists we've got a lot of chariot units in fours um so you know getting a bit lucky or if you capture them you know they, they can you know the, the dreaded the dreaded white dice can whittle them down you know yeah i mean
1: the the, the unskilled um where's the like, white dice coming can always get lucky i mean, sorry i was
2: thinking of the combat ray yeah not the shooting
1: sorry mate. yeah yeah, I mean, the unskilled black dice, you get an unskilled javelin. It, it sounds, I mean, OK, you've only got one in six chance per file of getting a wound. Um, but um, that combined with the combat that then follows when you're receiving a, a charge, um, if you're facing fours of enemies, uh, chariots then uh, you've got a couple of wounds you've already taken a base you, own, you don't have to get that lot to take a second base and then all of a sudden the charities are wound from breaking um, and I think this happened to you in our game Ray that um, you had several chariot units um, reduced to being only two bases
0: absolutely, buddy, and, yeah, absolutely and
1: at that point you're very reluctant to carry on the battle because you know that a lucky wound will break your unit. So, so yeah, as
2: I say, exactly. Yeah, so I think it's a, a a very good choice, and it's it it's not an expensive choice. No, per per base. Obviously, across the sheer number of bases you've got in this army, it, it does add up to a few hundred points. But, but I think they're well worth it. Uh,
0: am but, I mean, so 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 you're saying when you charge the chariots, expecting them to evade?
1: Yeah, I mean the the, the chariots are. Uh, you you don't commit the chariots to the fight until you've maximised your opportunity to shoot. So when you're pushing the chariots back, um, as you have to, I mean, if if you just sit back, eventually the chariots get bit. So you have to push the chariots back and back and back. Um, and if if they get within two base, you can suddenly use your shoot and charge to shoot them. If you get um, but okay you don't it doesn't happen very often but occasionally you get the wound in the S, and the chariot is slowed by two base widths. because of that risk the chariot may the controller may choose to um run away rather than skirming um and then of course they're shooting at less dice or sorry less effective so um the the, the shoot and charge definitely helps um increase your chances of getting surviving long enough to push the chariots to the ta- table edge where they have to charge you uh, and hopefully you, you defeat them not always sometimes they break through <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes yeah. yeah, so but you're, you're maximizing your chances by taking it it's um, always a case of
1: if, and, if, and if you're got- using the shooty army you've got to maximize your shots if you're um using the infantry army you've got to minimize and that's where the screen of javelin men, the shoot and the shooting charge all help out yeah.
0: and, and i have to say in our in our game i mean literally you 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 were the attacker um you did get a bit of a bit of trade, not not just to an anchor one side of your army on you did use the uh the javelin for ablative wounds i, I think you play i you know, i think you honestly you, you played a Absolutely, I'm going to say rock steady game, but that sounds a bit patronising. But you played absolutely as you, you know, knew you had to. Yeah. Um, and I think my army, it was a bit more flighty, wasn't it? It was a bit more, you know, if, if a couple of things went the wrong way, it could it could be a bit of a paper bag. But if I I just can't remember the game that well, but I know it was a damn close run thing.
1: Yeah, it it it, it was close enough that uh at uh, many points i thought i was going to lose the bat and i was slightly surprised at the end that uh, i'd won it well, yeah. sounds sounds like it was a good game which,
2: which, it was, is, it
1: was. Which, which is which is ultimately what we're after isn't it <laughs> yeah. and, and and for t- to get a good game from two such contrasting armies i think is one of the strengths of meg um, you know. a lot of rule sets really struggle um when you've got a, a an entirely shooty army against mounted shooty army against uh, Infantry army. Oh so. yeah,
2: it's definitely one of Meg's big strengths. I do remember. I, I always remember a game we had, Richard. I think it was a boards and swords in Derby. I assassinated. You had a, a, a some sort of Germanic, basically foot army. Uh, I do remember. We had, we had a really good game. At the end of it, you you did comment if if we had played that under insert previous set of rules of sets of rules of your choice that we had played many games previously, we'd have had. Well, certainly you you as the foot army would have had a desperately dull three hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's there's certainly no dullness. In.
2: Yeah, no, they, they they work really well, and it's from the you know from the, the the player uses the shooty cavalry a lot. You really do have to keep keep on your toes. Whereas under some other previous sets, you could do it a bit on autopilot. And you you could make a few daft moves, and you'd always be able to get out the way and stuff you know so you know, if anybody sort of the does have a foot army and the facing of a, a skirmishing mounted army keep at it you the back edge of the table or or as as a as game richard mentioned in the the last podcast where shooting cavalry army had um, lots of woods to its rear i mean
0: yeah, <laughs> nightmare <laughs> that was genius um but but and also um you know mix any mounted you've got mix them in with your foot so You've always got a chance of catching.
2: It, the shooting. You have to be careful doing that, Ray. I know you like it, and you've done it a bit, so you've got experience. <laughs> I, I I remember some games we've played and, and of other people doing it, and all to it's very easy for the the cavalry if they're intermixed to just get isolated ahead of their supporting infantry, and then the shooting army just turns around, picks on them, blows them away. They've picked up a tug. You've got a hole in your line.
1: I, I use the chariots in the Sea People's Army to as the sweeper. Yeah, Mind they're fire the brigade, <laughs> aren't they? Because <laughs> one of the chariot units is going to break through, is my assumption. And if you don't have a something to put against it, then almost inevitable, just turn around, flank, in no time at all, sweep your whole line. Away. Yeah. So you've got to have that. Res- and the chariots are the mobile bit enabled.
2: It, it, it is it, it, in a way although they are they don't jump off the page as something spectacular in the army again they're almost first thing on the roster because well, you, that. you need then that
1: sweeper in the battle against ray they did um save the situation because i don't know if you remember ray but you did get one of your chariot units through um and then i did get some lucky shooting with my experienced javelins much, much to raise disgust. <laughs> I, I, I could imagine.
2: <laughs> so, so, guys,
0: in time-honoured fashion, I'll set the I'll set the challenge. We're going to a biblical uh, chariot period competition. Which of the three armies, as written tonight, would you take?
2: I'd take my like Hittites, and that is partly because, as I said right at the beginning earlier on, I have a soft spot for them. Um, don't ask me why. I've always quite liked the Hittites for some reason, so I, I, I would take my list, or I'd take a Hittite list.
0: <laughs> you're always bending the rules, aren't you? No. <laughs> Which of, of the other? three? I'm to, okay, then I'm going to answer in exactly the same way. I would take my army. I would take <laughs> the Egyptians, but I'd fiddle around with the list a bit. So there you
1: go. Yeah, of the, of the three armies we've discussed tonight. Um, I would take either the Egyptian or, I'm afraid, Nick, I wouldn't take the, the Hittite stand. My favourite uh, army is actually Mitanni. Will,
2: will, will, will Denham will love you for that because he's
1: got a vitani, so which I have taken. And sure. I should imagine
0: there'll be a few Mitannis in where, oh, it's not Reading anymore, is it? It's wherever we, we're going for Ascot for warfare. There'll be, a couple, there'll be some Mitannis at that. I would imagine.
2: I, I expect there'll be one with wills, <laughs> <laughs> and, and why not? It's a big chariot army. Get lots, lots of lots of chariots on the table. So it's all, all. I'm not sure there'll be multiple ones because uh, I think lot. I, I, I have a suspicion we'll see quite a lot of Assyrians at warfare. Oh, who, who who
0: would be who would bring an Syrian
2: army? I know you've got one. I'm painting <laughs> one, and I and I can I've got recollections of at least two other people saying they're painting them or have them.
0: <laughs> I, I'm about I'm about ten bases of basing away from having a fully painted army ready for. for.
1: I tell you, the the Middle Assyrian um, is quite a good one as well. Um, so the is the early Neo Assyrian. <laughs>
2: I, I I I have in my possession uh, a list that was vouchsafed to me that has been drawn up by one Olivier Joucla, ah. uh, a man of no inconsiderable skill and a good list composer. So you know it, uh, that's one of those. I think if he's if he says it's a good army, I think I'll pay attention.
0: Absolutely excellent. excellent. Right. <laughs> well.
2: Stay- the Assyrians as a whole, you can get some really, really lovely looking armies out of them. Yeah, there. they look uh, great.
0: And, as, you, and as you
2: can with the New Kingdom Egyptian, as you mentioned earlier, Ray.
0: Yeah, but the, uh, what I like about the Assyrians, it's a proper uh, combined arm.
2: Uh, again, the, the, uh, some of the Assyrian lists have good choices and, and, and varied choices. You can get different sort of armies out full, of you. Full fat chariots that actually hit people. Oh, the, 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 the later latest did ones, the, 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 the big wheelie bins. With, with armoured horse and stuff like that, yeah, <laughs> they're very specialist. I yeah, suspect yeah. they're actually quite difficult to use. Yeah, good threat yeah. though. Yeah, they're not something you necessarily lead with. You no. insert them at the appropriate point, and and then they could be quite devastating. So we,
0: we we talked about the last podcast. Our next competition is Cross and Crescent. All the tickets have been sold. Um, lists are due in if you're a listener tonight and you're going to Cross and Crescent. I know Nick is now going to say he sent his. That's so, uh and I think they're due by the I'm gonna say the ninth or something like that, the
2: ninth uh, of August. Bef- uh, the email I, or the thing I saw said before the eighth. Go no, before the eighth of August, get <laughs> the list in, give the list check. Does, does
1: that mean eleven fifty nine on the seventh of August?
0: Well, how many people will do that alone? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well you will, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: No, I, I I I decided as I did actually with, with the with um, Armageddon as a way to stop myself dithering and just, just get my finger out and just send a list in. For once, I'm
0: fairly sure my list will not be returned by the list. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to bribe Jeff to send yours back a <laughs> with, with a random <laughs> made-up error.
0: Even for some spurious reason. Right, guys, we are um we're just seeing now but it was very nice now do we have any thoughts about what our next podcast is going to be about give the give the listeners a little intro to the next one um i suppose we could wait till after Cross and crescent and do a Cross and crescent podcast but coming up at some point we've definitely uh been asked to do a podcast about paint all the all the hobby craft part of the hobby, you know, the painting, the base, the transfers. Uh, so that's something of for the future. Um, what else have we got in mind in terms of more of a historical one?
1: I um I, I this is a blatant plug, so I'll get in now. Mm. The Society of Ancients Battle Day on August at Shaw House in Newbury um is refighting the Battle of Bosworth. Um, and I, I think it would be nice to do a 15th century medieval um,
2: I'd be I'd be up for that.
1: Well, on the basis that I'll be there
0: helping the refight, um, yes, we should. We should definitely.
2: And it. thinking about you, C- Cross, Cross and Crescent is is a good three weeks away, Ray. Obviously, doing another podcast before then will depend on um, schedules, <laughs> whether we've got free time. But we might be able to do one before Cross and Crescent, and then do a post Cross and Crescent one, like we've done with the. Uh, so we could do the fifteenth century. We could do the
0: fifteenth century one next, yeah.
2: Although, do do, do do I remember that you mentioned something about people? So people had mentioned they would like something on painting, basing, modelling. Yeah, yeah, and I, just, I
0: just said that, but the, the point. Yeah, is also,
2: that, I'm, I'm sorry, it must be getting late. In yeah, one ear and out the other. Yeah,
0: I I just said that, and I, but I just think that takes quite a bit of organisation. We are having an editorial meeting in front of
2: our listeners. Oh, they're getting to see what we're thinking about.
0: Yes. But that's no—that's on the cards. But I think that takes a bit of organisation, and I don't sure. think—not something we want to rush. We need to—we need to look. Can't be us three duffers doing a thing about painting and basing, can it?
2: So uh, well, that's we, what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we need to bring in some experts. So that will take a bit of organisation. So, I mean, what we could—the next podcast could be on uh, Richard. Think of something fifteenth century. Well, is that it? Just fifteenth century,
2: or well, we we could do Wars of the Roses. Go on, let's do Wars of the Roses. Wars of
1: the Roses. My horse, uh, a horse, my kingdom. My kingdom for a horse. (laughs) On that
0: note, on that uh, note of dubious historical uh, intent, uh, we shall leave our listeners now and we'll say commit to our next, our next podcast will be on the war. Sorted. Sorted. Cheers, guys. Gentlemen, it's been
1: a pleasure as always, um, and I shall see you both soon. Cheers.